<laughs> okay. What are you doing? What was that? Well, I'm just like, you know, uh, tuning my voice, practicing my voice. So we, we haven't can... done that before any of the other podcasts. Uh, yeah, but I do it in the bathroom before. You do it in the bathroom before? Of course, you've got to tune your voice. you got to tune your voice? So does that mean your voice will be more tuned for this podcast than the other podcast? Uh, maybe, I don't know. <coughs> oh my goodness. <laughs> fine, <laughs> fine. Let's see, let's see. All right. <laughs> Good evening. Welcome to Karl Marx Does the Washing Up. Where we ponder ludicrous metaphysical nonsense in the time it makes to take to make 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 to your voice is really tuned. Uh, it takes uh, so it takes around twenty one minutes. Uh, yeah, probably. <laughs> I'm Shai- without the stuttering. <laughs> I'm Shai Tali. and I'm Elias Kazan. And today, so today we're actually coming to you from a church cafe. Yeah. So do you think because we're in a church, we should talk about religion? Yeah. Maybe. Yeah, I think so. And I think that's also an interesting idea of like how the aesthetics and the space in which we like talk about things influence our views and our perspective on things. So do you think that the fact that we're in a church will make us more ma- have a higher affinity for religion? Make us more pro-religion? Well, I don't know if that's necessary. Because we are both quite religious people, right? Yeah, like, I guess. Spiritual like, providing there's that. Like, I, mean, yeah. I think if an atheist in the church, it might make him more like more aggressive. Atheist. Yeah, yeah. I'm not sure. Um... But, but I do also think that uh, places, like, around the world and different spaces, like, hold their energy and the energy in yeah. which, like, um, I used to, uh, I went to live in India for, like, a month or two, like, a few years back, and I would go meditate in the cave and stuff, and I felt like there was a very clear, it was this uh, cave that the Baba of the um, village used to sit in. sit in, and he would, he lived there, he lived in the cave for like 50 years wow. and everybody would like just bring him you know like boiled vegetables or whatever that's amazing and he just meditated there and I really felt like some kind of energy like something very powerful in that space do you think it was his like urine and feces yeah yeah it might have been that like it was like that that whiff of um, <laughs> that masala w- <laughs> masala sweat and boiled vegetables no well that's really interesting though because uh, when we travel uh I don't really seek out Hindu temples, but I have been to a few cathedrals or churches, you know, in the guise of a tourist. And they do all remind me of churches that I've been to when I've been in England, right? There's, there's a specific feeling of a yeah, church, isn't it? Is, it? Right? It's like a kind of... Yeah, but maybe that's just an architectural thing to do with, like, an acoustic of how sort of sound resonates and, like, atmosphere resonates. Yeah, that's um, very true. Because they're all like based a, on a similar... A, yeah, of course. ...arc-like structure, right? Yeah, that's very true, but do you think there is like a religious, spiritual presence in these places? Yeah, I think so. I think there's a certain kind of memory, like almost like, uh, yeah, like an energetic memory that spaces have. And it's not like, it's not yeah. confined to churches or religious places. It's just generally that um, I even feel it at home. Like when I go to my bedroom, I feel like, I feel like my energy and, yeah. and my, like my ex-girlfriend used to find that like she wasn't especially spiritual, but... Um, occasionally we'd sleep in like separate beds or something or, and then but she'd always want to sleep in my room because of your energy because, yeah but that's really beautiful but is that like, is that energy comforting or 
Well, it depends on it depends it on like, what it is. Like, yeah, that's true. Right? Is it, like I feel that like people who uh, hate me probably wouldn't <laughs> like to sleep in my room. Yeah, but uh, maybe they they can get to know you better by sleeping within your energy. Yeah, probably, but they probably don't want to. If they don't like me, they probably don't want to get to know me better. Yeah, but maybe they'll cut your pillows out or something. They'll cut my pillows. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But also, who doesn't like you? It doesn't make any sense. Everyone. Likes yeah, that's it. true. We have a podcast. Yeah, everyone. <laughs> everyone wants to like us because so yeah. we're quite famous. Yeah, of course. Yeah, but okay. Let's get back to religion. So we're in a church. So I've never really asked you what your views on uh, religion are. Um, what are my views on religion? Do you have any views on religion? Like religion as a system or, you know, just you know, religion in general? Yeah, I think I have some views, but... Uh, You're like, not going to share them? I don't know. <laughs> uh, like, what's, that's quite a big question. What, um, well, I mean, we're only on microwave mill one. We've got a got time to answer what, a big question. But, do you want to narrow it a bit? <laughs> like, what, what about religion? So, well, what, okay, fine. So if that's a big question, what does it mean to you? And also, where would you start? Like, uh, wherever you start, I can narrow it down from. Well, like, for me, surely for me, what would, yeah. like, reli- um, religion is a practical, um, version of spirituality. Me- mechanism or, uh, materializing spiritual truths that you come, that you come towards. And also vice versa, uh, you know, a practical ritualistic system that allows us to experience metaphysical truths. You think ritualistic... Maybe truth, truth is a big word to say. Because I was going to say, yeah, yeah. yeah. That, uh, m- metaphysical, religious, spiritual experiences, let's say. So religion, religion is a, um, a practical mechanism for materializing um, spiritual experiences. Yeah. And conversely, yeah. also... Uh, spiritual experiences that come through yeah, practical, uh, right? a ritualistic system for allowing yeah. spaces for spiritual experience to occur and then I think um, so from that but it's also about living like uh, practical methods of living a virtuous life like how do we translate this like spiritual experience this like idea of like oneness and feeling includes included in reality how do we manifest that into living like virtuously and um how to actually like be loving to people in a way that is healthy to us and to the people around us and then caught up in that healthy is a big word here right because a lot of living virtuously and loving people is very much loving uh or is that a society thing where we only love people who think the same way as us so, but religion doesn't actively promote that you should love people who only believe the same things that you believe. Huh? Does religion doesn't promote, or does religion promote that? I think religion promotes loving everyone. Most religions, yeah, loving everyone. loving everyone. But I think the complex thing about religion is that it actually gets into a system. It, it there's like okay, so there's firstly different when we say it, like healthy. I'm not saying that they're necessarily healthy ways of living life. They're they're sort of systems that consider uh, this is a healthy way to live their life. So they may be different systems or whatever. So, for example, you know, um, a lot of religious traditions are very much pro, like, a monogamy and not, like, um, you know, sleeping with lots of people, just you focus on one person. Like, in a Jewish community, you marry, uh, you should marry a Jew and you shouldn't 
you know, sleep outside, you shouldn't look so much. Yeah, yeah, of course. Yeah, in yeah. Islam, a lot of these ideas, and I'm not saying that that is healthy, but I think it's grounded in a system that says that human beings are like this, this, and this, and it's generally trying to eradicate the sort of pain, the pain of like breaking up, oh, and, or the pain, or the of, pain death, of like, yeah, yeah hurting yeah. people and understanding that actually, like a, an idea of like once once you taste one thing you want to taste everything and it doesn't actually lead to happiness we are that we like we said before in choices yeah, yeah that's so true right? and yeah, yeah. i think the commitment it has like this understanding of commitment and stuff and i'm not saying this is the best system but i think it is a system that has been developed based on sort of um an understanding of the mentality of people as well as the spirituality of people and uses um these methods in order to live a more loving virtuous life so what's really interesting is that, you know, you've got the understanding of the mentality of people and the understanding of the spirituality of people. Uh, and obviously, I could understand that the mentality of people has obviously changed since a lot of religious texts were written. But do you think the spirituality of people has changed since, the, uh, since a lot of the religious texts were written? Like, are we still having the same spiritual experiences that they had back then? So when, I uh, think... When Bhagavad Gita was written or when the Bible was written or anything like that. Do you think we've spiritually evolved since then? I don't. I don't know if we've. I think the the essential texture and quality of a spiritual experience remains fairly the, the same. Fairly right? the same. Um, Which is why those texts are still applicable now. Yeah, yeah. Like a lot of people focus on how mentally we're not the same as we were back then, but it's spiritually we are. Well, I don't know if like spiritually we are the same or something. I think like nowadays we have a lot of obscure like obscurities too. Uh, spiritual experience. Like, yeah. We could say that certain technologies prevent us from having these like very connected experiences. But do you think so? Do you think do you think we can use technology to increase spiritual experiences? I think I think we can. There's a way to do so. We just don't. We just don't know. We don't know how to, or we just don't. We know how to, but we choose not to. Yeah. Well. Yeah, I think we get caught up in. It depends what you like define as technology and stuff, and how we. I think there's a balance of certain things, and the balance in which we engage in technology. So, if we take like a church, you could say a church en- enables a uh, a cultivation of a spiritual experience and of a spirituality in itself. Um, but the technology that goes into actually creating a church is like outstanding, like bricks and buildings and architecture. That's all form of technology, yeah. right? Um, but if we said that there was maybe like iPhones on every queue. Yeah. Um, <laughs> like, I don't think, I think there is a way, like if, if there was iTunes, iTunes, uh, iPhones on every pew and they were all like had scriptures from the Bible in them, then, then that, that could maybe help, right? Yeah. But I also think that we haven't figured out how to use this technology in a healthy way that is actually, um, that actually cultivates the spirituality because I feel we get, we get lost in the, the form, the the phone and the technology, and we prevent, we shut out like a connection, a human connection and an atmospheric connection. What about, uh, not so much those technologies, what about, what about technologies that can bring us closer, that could potentially bring us closer? To death, that bring us closer to death. Yeah. Wow. If there was a if there was a technology in the future which could switch our minds off or kill us for a couple of seconds, so we could experience what death is like or have a near death experience, 
Do you so I actually, I actually watched an interview with somebody, I can't remember who, that says this is possible. So there was, um, because what I find quite, you know, outstanding is that uh, a lot of people talk about near-death experiences, yeah, yeah, yeah. and I've got friends who have had near-death experiences, and their experience of it is all, like, outstandingly similar. Yeah, but is that, is, is that because they feel like this is how they should think? Or do you think it's because each one is actually having a similar experience? Um... No, I've spoken to people who said that, like, this is what they experienced before they looked into it or researched oh, it. Like, okay, they didn't even know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Um, but then, yeah, I watched this interview and they were saying, well, this is just like when you're undergoing a certain amount of um, surgery or therapy yeah. or something, there's a certain overload, um, neurological like overload. overload, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. that creates this like thing. Like euphoria. Yeah, and he says, like, we can create this experience, this near-death experience, by just... Um, feeding in certain um, stimuli into the brain and just like through electro, just an electronic current to create this experience. That sounds like it'd be quite addictive. Like if you could, if you could have that feeling of euphoria whenever you wanted it. No, I don't know if it was euphoric. Like, is it one of, um, well, the experience, the experiences that I've heard people talk about is that you rise above your body. Yeah. Right. And then there's this pressure pulling you upwards and a pressure pulling you downwards and you have to choose whether you want to go into the to the light or come back and then there's like sometimes they come back because of guilt that they feel like they you know um like my mom would miss me too much or i need or to be miss them too much. yeah yeah or yeah. i need to fulfill some potential or fulfill something um and then there's this other thing about like the light like journeying toward the tunnel um but i don't know if I think there is, yeah, they do talk about a sense of peace and there's a peace beyond, but then, and you bring that sort of peace into life. Like this is, I saw, I saw death. I realized I wanted to come back to life, but I see death in a beautiful way. Yeah, but, uh, yeah, but, uh, so I feel like that choice there would anger a lot of people, right? If you chose to die, because in the same way that suicide ultimately angers a lot of people. You know, even if we can see the reasons why people did it, it often does cause us anger. So if there's this choice in death... Where it sounds selfish, right? It sounds selfish, right, yeah. So actually, so does religion help us understand selfishness? Does religion help us understand selfishness? Is that one of its primary purposes? In what, in what regard? In that I'm choosing to die, maybe because that will bring me closer to God. Does that help? And then... You could maybe look in some religious textures and find comfort in that decision that I made. When I'm choosing to die. Yeah. Because it helped me find out. I, don't, I don't, yeah. think, I think most religions are quite anti-suicide, right? No, that's very true. But they do help us understand man's selfishness. Yeah, and I find... Um, yeah, but also man's uh, uh, generosity as well, right? Yeah, that's true. And I think it tries to contextualise... Um, in a healthy, well, they try to at least like cultivate the generosity. Yeah, yeah. Um, and sort of, I don't know, cage the selfishness a little bit, right? I, mm-hmm. I think that's generally what there's the notion of meditation and um, kind of uh, like in our religion we call it bungi, and yeah, it's yeah. like it's considered to be a very much a working on the self. It's not. It's not something that you're doing for the community, but you're, you're working, working on, on yourself. yourself. But to benefit but, the community. No, it's meant to be like, don't you thinking about yourself, but then there's other things to do for the community. Uh, okay. But I think if you purify yourself, you become a better person in yourself. In the, like yeah. that's the best way to help the community. Yeah, for sure. And, 
Um, but it's interesting that a lot of religions but, think meditation is the way to achieve a better sense of self. Yeah. I think it, for me, it just makes a lot of sense. Like if you try meditating, it just, you just feel present, you feel you connected, you yourself, feel like, you? Yeah. and you just feel like you're moving towards a more meaningful state of being. Whether that has anything to do with God or not is a different thing. Okay. Oh, so but I, yeah. Yeah. yeah, go ahead. No, but I think that, so a lot of people have a lot of issues with organized religion, and they're like, yeah, I'm spiritual, but I'm not religious, yeah, because yeah. Um, religion has a lot of control and a lot of these sort of things. So I think this is, this is true, but it's not, it's not like the religion, it's not the religion or the sort of philosophies of the religion are controlling. controlling? Yeah, it's it's just, just the institutionalization of it. And, yeah, yeah. And it's just that I think we have the same issue with like all like politics and everything and yeah, everything we have. It's we so see an ideology. Yeah. An ideology could be fairly um, fairly sound, but it doesn't fully take into account that the ideology is inhabited by people. Exactly. Right? No, I completely agree with that. But also, and, but maybe what you said earlier about how we just need to see religion as ritualistic practices that enable us to have spiritual experiences and not see it on a deeper controlling level than that. Yeah, well, I think you can see the as much... Or as little as you want, right? Well, I think we should be more... I think as it's healthy for us to be open to the beauty of things, like mm. understand them in the context that, you know, there is a certain controlling factor. Um, well, it's like, it's... People use methods, um, like different mediums and methods to like facilitate power and oppression or whatever yeah. that doesn't I don't think make mean that the religion itself is oppressive that means like yeah. somebody uses a mechanism or an ideology in order to oppress no I agree with that but I, I don't I don't want us to go down the oppressive religion route because I mm. think that's something that's you know I think that's a very common discussion actually that people have and I don't know if don't know. Do you think we can say anything with that that hasn't been said? Well, no, I just think that a lot of people um, consider that uh, like religion is integrally oppressive, right? Mm. When I don't actually think a lot of the... I also, I also personally take a very esoteric uh, perspective of religion and of religious texts, and I'm not saying that's right or yeah, anything, yeah. but I generally think that it, uh, religious texts and their teachings are metaphorical, and the purpose for, for yeah, this... Of like, yeah, yeah. But we alluded to that earlier with the virtuous living, right? Just to provide some guidance on how to live virtuously, or on how to live virtuously in one way. Yeah, but you could mm-hmm. say that it's very direct and very prescriptive, uh, like methods of living virtuously, or you could say they're esoteric yeah. methods of living virtuously. But but they are. But regardless of whether or not, what we what I think we should discuss is the fact that I'm a Hindu. You're a Muslim. We're in a Christian church, but so I'm a polytheist and you're a monotheist, and we never really uh, discuss that between the two of us. Yeah. What do you think? I think. Well. Because I, I know a lot of monotheists that I do meet think I'm an idiot for believing in multiple gods. Yeah. I don't know. For, for me, this is like, the, the, like theologians and loads of people, like everybody, this is the fundamental split between religions. It's like the monotheist and the polytheist. But for me, it's like they're, they're the same. They're like exactly, they're just two um, different um, aesthetics for conveying the same ultimate like reality. And so if we were to take a 
I think the general idea of God, if we talk about God, is like an omnipresent, um, omnipotent sort of creative force, right? And if we try to like... Um, but he doesn't do much outside of creating, right? He's the creative force, but is he still omnipresent and omnipotent, omnipotent after that? So, okay, well, my definition of creativity is that creation is, I think, maybe different to a lot of people's notion of creation. But I think creation or creativity of a world is not a, a once happened thing. It's, it's a, a constant process. process. It's so a constant it's rebirthing. Continually creating. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, okay, fine. Rebirthing into itself. Yeah. Okay. Kind of. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, yeah. But so if we take an omnipresent or omnipotent um, kind of idea of God and we try to like manifest this idea uh, metaphorically, right, in order to convey this and so we can use it in terms of like, uh, you know, personified and stuff. Mm. There's two ways in which to allude to the infinite, right? Numerically speaking, one is to um, reduce it numerically to its lowest point, to a singularity, to a singularity that is all-encompassing, yeah, yeah, yeah. right? And the other way that we can do that is to take numericism all the way to its point, to its like complete like um, ridiculous level of multiplicity, so that we're talking about like 33 million gods, so that the intellectual conception of why 33 million. Because isn't that how many Hindu gods, gods there are? No, it's, there's a lot of misconceptions about Hinduism. Like, a lot of these numbers are just thrown around oh, really? very yeah. willy-nilly. It's like, it would never in the back of like, to say there's 33 million gods. It's like nonsense. There's okay. a lot of how misconception many? with regards to polytheism. Uh, of course there's no specific number of gods. It's just preposterous. Preposterous. But, okay, so that's the yeah. point. That, yeah, that yeah, it's exactly. So, like, it's so un- inconceivable. The number of gods is so yeah, yeah. multiple that it's so inconceivable that it sort of breaks the numerical conception of God and, like, releases the fragrance of the infinite, of yeah, infinity, yeah. right? So I think that, for me, that's the thing, that they're both conveying metaphorically a notion of infinity. Just one person's, one half of the religions are using a singularity and the other half of the religions are using a multiplicity. So they're actually both saying the same thing, right? Yeah. But at, at different opposite ends of the spectrum. Yeah, I think so. But do you not think it makes sense that there would be a myriad of gods creating a myriad of things? Well, yeah, I guess it depends what we're talking about as as uh, gods. Like, if we're talking about general, like, uh, physical beings that create things, then I think this is, like, a possibility, and it's kind of plausible in the context that this world is so unbelievably, ridiculously nuts. And the fact that me and you are, like, thinking, feeling, talking, yeah, yeah, and, like, yeah, exactly. writing a podcast, like, doing a podcast in this yeah, moment yeah. is just as crazy as the fact that somebody's up there just, like, you know, plotting to make, like, tables and stuff. And, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but but it still doesn't... It, I don't... That's not what I believe to be the reality. No, but if we think about it in terms of an energy, uh, and we think of it in terms of the soul, and say everyone has a soul and everyone has an energy within them, I think... Uh, so do you think that all that energy has come from one force, not from a myriad of forces? So that's my argument for... That's what I believe in, that in polytheism, that I believe there's a myriad of forces that are all feeding energy into us. Like, how do you... Do you mean there's a god of each self? Yeah. So there's a, there's a shy and there's a god of shy? No. There's a... Uh, shy, my soul, is made up of the energy of several gods, rather than just one god's energy. And that's why I'm so layered in my personality. Well, that's why I'm so layered. That's why, that's why I'm so layered. Uh, you know, that's why uh, we have so much potential within us, because we have the energy from so many different gods. So then somebody with, like, multiple personality disorder or something... Yeah, maybe they've got too much. Gods. Yeah, yeah, they've got more gods within them. 
So, but, but then but actually, wait, that goes back to what we alluded to earlier about the soul and the personality. Like, how much of your soul is reflected in your personality, or is personality a social construct? So, I don't know yeah. if multiple personalities sort of has anything to do with the soul. Okay, but then, so if we have the different layers based on different, but are these gods like the god of water, god of fire, god of no, that I sort of stuff? I, or no, I think again that's like quite quite what uh, what most monotheists say about polytheists, right? And like you're just splitting God up into different roles. Whereas I, the way I see it, I'm like, if I'm stuck in traffic, I'm not going to pray to the God of traffic, even though that is what I do. Or if I'm, yeah. yeah. Oh, you do? Yeah, yeah, of course. <laughs> like, that's the, the best part of being Yeah, you should be playing to the God of red lights, not traffic. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, that's so true. What if I'm on a motorway and there's no red lights? Yeah, well, then you're playing to the God of, the God of red lights to buddy put some fucking lights in. <laughs> pray to the God of motorway traffic. Yeah. But, uh... No, I think there's just a myriad of gods of the same standing. No one is in charge of fire, no one is in charge of water, no one is like Zeus in charge of lightning or whatever. There's a myriad of gods. But what I'm talking All about, in the same function and the same purpose and they all put their energy within you. Oh, okay. But, oh, so they all, so you're made up of all these, however, whether it's yeah. 33 million or like yeah, a or billion or... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Whatever. Or if it's two. Or if it's two. Yeah. Oh, so for you, monotheism just means like just rejecting the singularity. Yeah. So it's, it could Polytheism be... means just rejecting the singularity. Yeah. yeah. But for, for me, it's just... Yeah, but they're energies, right? So you're just talking about layers of energy. When I was saying, like, uh, God of water and God... I'm just talking about, like, the, the, the construction of a soul or of a human body is built of energetic layers, like of water, fire, and these sort of things. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But you're saying, well, whether it's two or a million... Yeah. Then you're just built of these levels of energy. Yeah. And they come together. But I think, like, the monotheist idea is also very similar. It's just it's just the way of categorizing it as one force. It's just one textured force as opposed to, um, uh, like, many single textured forces, right? And the manifestation is exactly the same. Yeah, that's true. But do you not think it would just be too much work for one god? I don't really consider it like, like work. I mean, it's yeah, it's like the same as saying um, our body is too much work for, you know, having kidneys doing a kid. If we de- deconstruct our body into kidney, pancreas, heart, la la la, and we put all that together, and we say, um, oh, that's too many functions for one body. But it is, though, right? That's ultimately why we die and why we need medication and why we, why we need technology to help us, right? It's only... Our body can only cope with it. And often it can't even cope with it. Yeah, like, but... We the, all need medication at Yeah, some but the heart by life. itself survives even less. The heart in isolation survives even less. They're actually, like, the pancreas and... They all support each other to a point that... Yeah, so who's fail. supporting God? Who's supporting God? No, God's the, it's it's self internal system. Like we are the being. Yeah, but right? we just said that the being doesn't actually survive. Being can only survive for a finite amount of time. Yeah, yeah and God is like infinite. Right? Yeah. So why can God survive for an infinite amount of time without help? Without without help. Well, wait. I do actually think that <laughs> we do help God. Uh, we have. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think it's like a, it's it's a symbiotic relationship. I also don't think God is actually something which is uh, static and um, 
and like, okay, so this is the outside thing that has created us. I actually think we build God on a daily basis. Yeah, but then if that's not, I'm not talking mentally. Yeah, 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 I know. You mean physically? Yeah, we actually physically mold the fabric of God. But if I'm molding a different God to you, you're only not even conscious. Like, what you what you're doing? It's not like we are. This is like this. This is a space that surrounds us, and you are feeding into it, like as a product and a source of the God, and so am I. But you think we're we're going into just one God and not a myriad of gods? It doesn't. For me, it doesn't really matter. It doesn't make any difference. The myriad or or one, like for me, it's just infinity. No, no. So I agree with that. But within the context of this discussion, like I don't think any of us really care about monotheism versus polytheism. I don't know, many people do. Many people dedicate their lives to... Yeah, yeah, I mean, so, but we don't, right? I don't think it impacts our views on God. Yeah. But so what are we, so what are we saying? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but you're saying there's different, different, many different gods. Yeah, but I, I, do, I do agree with your idea that we are creating God rather than God creating us. No, both. Both, yeah, sorry, but it's like a symbiotic relationship, yeah. like you said to right. I do agree with that. But I, I like to think that I'm creating multiple gods. With every interaction that I have with you, or every interaction I have with my mother, or every interaction I have with the Hindu temple, I'm creating different gods. Yeah, but I think that's just a poetic, um, yeah. uh, poetic percepti- perception but of how not, you wish to see. Is not a religion not a poetic perception of how we wish to wish to receive God? Yeah, exactly. That's yeah. exactly what I think religion is. Poetry, and that's, but that's the perception. thing. That's why, like, at the essence of the ground of all religions, they all bind to the same like essence, and that's why all spiritual experience is essentially the same, the same. Right. for all of time and across all of humanity, because we're all connecting to the same place. But different people have different um, aesthetic ways of getting there, different paths. And it's, it's even the same, like, you know, you can read a poem or something, um, which I think is complete nonsense and I have, like, no emotional connection to. But, but it gets you to same. this, yeah, like, yeah. this very p- profound reaction. Like, it could start you crying out of sadness or something. Like a and podcast. Then, yeah, yeah. It's, well, yeah, it's like, yeah, but we both listen to our podcast and start crying. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. <laughs> it's not a very good example. <laughs> but it's but, so but true. But then if I read a poem... And you different, might not get yeah. It. yeah, yeah. So we can have the same... No, no, a different poem I have the profound reaction to where you hate it or you just don't get it yeah 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 and that's the same with religion right? yeah and I think poetic, so right? different poetic, paths yeah. to the same essential reality it's quite profound is this profound? is this profound? Is this I don't know we, if we analyse it or we we are conscious of its profundity then it becomes like yeah I think our listeners would have to tell us if this is profound huh? right? I think our listeners would have to make that judgement yeah but what, why, why are we getting people to judge us or Isn't or for us to judge ourselves or us to judge other people why don't they, they just listen to it and then ignore it and get on with their lives? No, I agree with that. That's what people should be expecting yeah, yeah, from our I podcast. I think that's better because we don't want them to take take our nonsense with them. <laughs> <laughs> We're only releasing it like on iTunes, so it stays in iTunes. Yeah, yeah, for after our death. Yeah, yeah. So that's an interesting concept, actually. So you know how we all, or you think all, uh, and I do agree with you that all religions sort of start from the same essence, and that all spiritual experiences are derived of that same essence. If you were to create a new religion, no, do you think there is a way of experiencing a different spiritual experience? Different one that hasn't had one that one that hasn't been experienced before. Yeah, because yeah, a lot of spiritual experiences are receiving something from God, whereas we just were we touch on the subject of giving something to God. Yeah, and that's not like you know burning incense or we're just talking throughout our daily lives we're feeding back to God but is there a way to experience that 
Because a lot of experience, like a lot of experience through prayer and stuff, is God talking to you. So I think. What about us talking to God? Well, no, a lot of prayer is us talking to God. I think. I think yeah, more. Sorry, to be honest, more that. Yeah, it's more that. Sorry. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Um, but I think this is just more a question of perception rather than, um, or like the way in which we like to talk about something rather than the actual experience itself. I think the general experience, spiritual experience, is fairly similar between. Um, these different different people and it becomes not about I think most spiritual experiences like these they aren't um, there's like a dissolution of the self in which you are in complete harmony with God it's not really this notion of giving or receiving or this like directional thing starts to dissolve and the way in which we consider like everyday human relationships like I give to you and you give to me in this spiritual experience um, which even in human relationships can happen, and we would probably call it love. Um, we dissolve, and then we give and receive, right? Yeah, oh, well, they, sorry, no, not we just giving and receiving. We're just in harmony, right? Sorry. Yeah. So that's really interesting. Though, too. I think a lot of people do see God though as something that you give and receive too. Even you alluded to that, right? God is giving to us. Sorry, God is. We're receiving from God, but we're also giving back. Well, I feel like it's yeah, like molding, like forming, forming. Into, forming and and trying to achieve perfect too. harmony, right? Yeah, but I think that when you have like these um, kind of like these experiences in which there's a dissolution of self and where you feel connected to God or whatever, this uh, intellectualization of what we're talking now about just like ceases to exist. And so everything that we um, are talking about now is like an academic retrospection of an experience. And it's not the true nature of the experience itself. It's just the way that we try to make sense of it. But then we can't recapture the experience because that experience has been warped by these academic discussions. Well, I think if we, if we, we can kind of use certain uh, poetic think, and metaphorical... Do you think we have the language to truly define a spirituality, spiritual experience? Not in the same way that everyone describes near-death experiences the same way. Maybe we just don't have the language to describe it. No, yeah, I don't think we... I think this is where like poetry and the mystics come into play, where they start using language in a way that kind of transcends language and moves us to like a, the feeling or the essence of God yeah, without yeah. describing it. Like you describe it um, sensorily rather than, uh, I don't know, physically. So do you think... So, you know, a lot of people talk about what God may look like or, you know, this sort of feeling that they get when they're in the presence of God... But do you think God has a scent? Does God have a scent? Do you think God has a smell? So that's the crux, right? Because olfactory language is bullshit. Like, we find it really hard to uh, define spells and put smells into language. But maybe it's because God has a scent and we just don't know... We don't have this language on how to to explain it to people. Do you think God has a scent? Or is he scentless? Scentless. Well, we... um, I I feel like if we asked our parents, they'd probably say, Elachi. Or like cardamom. Yeah, cardamom, like cardamom, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, Maybe yeah, chai. But there's actually, I've got a, a friend of mine who uh, she she's got like a very strong nose, and I I always told her like, I've, for me, music has always been kind of and like audio things have been the most sensory experience for me. And That's I used to, yeah, of course, yeah. yeah. Um, so I used to. Like, sometimes I hear the nothingness, I call it, like, the nothingness, but I can, like, perceive, like, the emptiness of all reality in which, like, it feels very but It's so intense. Um, and uh, she says I can smell the nothingness. I can smell, like, 
I, I was asking her if she has this experience. She says not with sound or anything, but I like smell. smell nothingness. Yeah. Dude, is that she, good? Says she says it smells a little bit like Paris. <laughs> like Paris all the time, or Paris in a certain year, or Paris a certain suburb? Actually, that's irrelevant. So do you think she's smelling God? The nothingness that she's smelling, is that God? Yeah, she's also basically uh, the sort of um, reincarnation of Nietzsche. So... <laughs> <laughs> but she also says that nobody understands Nietzsche so I don't know maybe God God is dead is not God is dead well I like the idea that Nietzsche no one understands Nietzsche so someone had to be reincarnated as Nietzsche to help yeah. explain his work <laughs> so maybe in the future someone will be reincarnated as us to explain our podcast to explain that would be good yeah I don't, I don't know if she's doing I'm just naming her this because well I like the idea of smelling God yeah <laughs> But you know what? Also, like, really, what's, what's, what I struggle with is how come everything doesn't smell of bogeys? I think that's probably a good point to stop. And this, is where, this is where the conversation is going. We should probably stop here. We should probably stop here. That's nonsense. <laughs> Ruining a person perfectly good religious chat with bogeys. Nonsense. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>